Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, bet you get 20, 20, 20, bet you get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Three, two, one. <laughs> Welcome to the Talentworks podcast. I'm Shukri. I'm Katrina. And I'm Helen. BBC Studios is the production part of the BBC Group. So we're not public service. What we do at BBC Studios is we invest in and we produce amazing shows, both for the UK and globally. We make some shows for the BBC, but we also make them for the market, like Netflix, Channel 4, Spotify, Audible. These include Blue Planet, Pressed, Killing Eve, Strictly Come Dancing, I May Destroy You, Doctor Who, Top Gear. BBC Studios Talentworks are a small but mighty development team within BBC Studios. We work cross-genre and cross-platform. We specifically work with emerging talent, so we look to places like Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, YouTube, people who are writing blogs, maybe people who've got podcasts already, who are storytellers and looking to partner with BBC Studios to tell bigger, bolder stories. In short, we play Cupid for talent and industry. And this podcast is about giving the floor to some of those talented creators. True to form, our guests are going to lead the way. They are going to be telling us about three pieces of work that have defined their careers so far. So who have we got today? Shukri here. It's November 2022 and today I'm joined by Nenda Noirura. So I'm spinning the music plate, I'm spinning the writing plate, I'm spinning the acting plate. And if two of them come crashing down, I still have one spinning. I think just try and spread yourself as much as you can. So rather than sitting at home fretting, waiting for the phone to ring, I go back and do something else that I also need to or want to finish. Nenda is a writer, actor and recording artist who grew up in the Austrian Alps. Nenda moved to London, age 19, to go to drama school. Since then, she's appeared in TV, film and theatre productions across the UK. As well as acting, Nenda is also a writer and lyricist. You can hear her playful but conscious rap on the radio across Europe and on her YouTube channel. And if that wasn't enough, she's also recently started writing her own screenplays. So I know Nenda as she is one of our creators for In The Mix 2022. This project was developed by BBC Studios Talentworks and Black Creators Matter in partnership with The Barbican. The project provides black content creators with the opportunity to produce a short film for BBC Real. If you search BBC Real Found in Translation, you can watch all the films produced for this project online. So today with Nenda, we're going to discuss, first of all, her music career, next, Nenda's acting career and what it is like working on a massive TV set, and finally, how she found producing her first documentary for In The Mix 2022. Hi Nenda! Hello! Hello, welcome to the Talawax podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. Okay, so first things first, can you sum up what you do? I am an actor, writer and recording artist. Wonderful. So in every episode, we get our guests to choose their three most defining moments of their career. So we're going to get right into it. What's your first one? My music video and my song Mixed Feelings, which I wrote in 2020. And it's about the struggles of being a mixed race person who 
never feels black enough, never feels white enough. For all the bitches that underestimated me, you've come out the end of this well-rested I see. You were chilling in the sun, I got some work done. This is number one, and I've only just begun. I'm a bilingual multilinguist with a silver tongue. Anybody like me? I bet you know none. I have air enough for two whole countries in my lungs. Tell me two foreign one more time, you stupid Not British? Let me tell you in another language. I don't mind a rhyme that darfs an auch auf Deutsch sein. Zu dunkel für das eine Land, zu weird für das zweite. I guess I can't please either, then fuck, I'm a writer. Mixed chicks, mixed race, too mixed, not white enough. What's your mix? Oh my god, so cool, where you from? What do you mean you don't know, huh? Wow, Nanda. First oh. of all, what a flex rapping into different languages. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. So, how would you describe your music? Well, I'd say it's rap with a touch of jazzy beats. Have you always written music? I have always written music. I remember being like an early teenager, maybe even 11 or 12, and sitting in my bedroom at 3am and writing songs about my broken heart. (laughs) I remember always singing in the middle of the night, writing like a song. I had like a notebook with all of those songs and they were usually about some sort of heartache. And then actually when I went to drama school, my singing teacher, I had this amazing singing teacher called Rachel Bennett, said to me, why is your voice so husky? Like, something's up with your voice. And I said, oh, I don't know. And she's like, what, what's your singing expert? What did you do? And I'm like, telling her, I always used to sing in the middle of the night. And she's like, ah, oh, okay, because you had to sing quietly as to not wake anyone up. Your vocal folds have sort of stayed in that place and now they're a little bit apart and, and a bit husky. And then she sort of said, okay, here's some exercises to to fix that. Because if, if you carry on like that, you might, break your voice a little bit and and it was just really interesting that years and years of singing sad songs (laughs) in the small hours of the night have have shaped my voice yeah oh my gosh I didn't realize that was a thing can you describe the concept of your music video so that the people that haven't seen it can know what it's about um yes of course it is basically what I wanted to show is because that thing of being mixed race you're always almost feel like you're not black enough you're not white enough so I wanted to be in like the Austrian traditional wear which is called a dirndl in like a city environment which is you know the wrong outfit for the wrong place and then I wanted to be like really dressed like I don't know a Nicki Minaj out on top of the mountains which is again wrong outfit in the wrong environment well who says it's wrong but <laughs> but I wanted to show that juxtaposition of those worlds that I move in whilst also feeling like never enough for one side or the other and and yeah I wanted an army of mixed race women I don't have quite quite have an army but I have <laughs> three of my friends and we're strutting down the street in our matching traditional outfits and I have sheep and yeah lots of dancing on hills so yeah if you haven't seen it you should check it out it's on youtube mixed feelings you produced and directed this music video mm-hmm. what was the most challenging part of the shoot the most challenging thing was that it was lockdown and yes it was a bit more relaxed because it was in summer and we did a lot of it outdoors but a lot of people were like oh sorry you can't actually have i wanted like this huge marching band and I was like I'm just going to ask around and they were like sorry we haven't actually been allowed to come together and so it would be really 
weird if we did that now for your video. And also just, it was my first time really producing something. So like calling up people and asking for a sheep. <laughs> the <laughs> amount of times I've, the amount of time I spent on trying to find a cheap, a sheep, it was actually. A cheap sheep. A cheap, cheap, yeah, a cheap, a sheep for free. I didn't have any money to make this music video, so it had to be for free. And I was just calling people and they were like, and people in Austria are like, not, you know, it's like, they don't maybe don't under sheep farmers maybe wouldn't entirely understand the world of music mm -hmm. videos that much that they were like what do you need this sheep for and they're like asking around hey she needs a sheep what do you need this for and I'm like it's just a music video I'm like trying to explain but yeah I did get a sheep I got several sheep so. oh my god did you get the did you get all of them from one person from one farmer so the first farmer just put me in his like area where the sheep were but they kept <laughs> he gave me a bit of food and then they like ate for a second and then they start running away and I'm like chasing these sheep through the field so that wasn't very successful and then the second one they only had three sheep so I was like just and I had learned my lesson from the first sheep <laughs> so like I only had a little bit of food in my hand and I was like luring them in and it worked for like 10 minutes and then they found out where the stash of food was and uh, that was that but it did work it's just a music video so you just need them for a few seconds really <laughs> amazing so Nenda let's move on to your next clip the most significant moment in your career tell us about it I played a wonderful part called Alex in a Sky TV show called The Rising and it is out now on Now TV I was kind of hoping I'd see you again were we talking long? <laughs> <laughs> it's nice to know I'm memorable. No, I, no, I, I, I just, I can't, um, can't remember much. Yeah, we talked, and we danced, and we drank, and then you bailed. <laughs> Are you okay? Don't ask me that. No, I am, though. I can't go. It's dangerous around here. You shouldn't be on your own. I'll be fine. The sun's coming up. And I've got a staple gun in there, so... <laughs> oh. 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 <laughs> so, Nanda, tell us, how did you get into acting? I don't actually know how I found out that you could do acting as a job, as a real job, but I remember being really young when I said to my mum, I want to be an actor... And I remember my mum saying, you have to move to L.A. then. And I was like, oh, L.A., where's this magical place? Um, and I still haven't made it to L.A. to this day. <laughs> but after I finished my A-levels, I found out that you could go to drama school in London. And I was like, that's not that far from home, so I'm going to try that. So, yeah, and I just applied for drama schools in London and got into... Alra North for a foundation year which I didn't realise wasn't in London so I'd booked my flight to London and oh, then no. yeah I know and and I my mum was like let's just type it into Google Maps one more time and because there was an Alra, Alra North and Alra South so I thought it was that one um, and I typed in the postcode where they wanted me to be and the arrow sort of leaves the screen oh, and no. I zoom out and out and out and the arrow still leaves the screen and I just have the whole country in front of me and this arrow goes from London all the way to Wigan near Manchester oh, and I just remember gosh. I said to my mum, oh, it's, I don't think that's London. <laughs> and she was like, yeah, no, I don't think so. Um, so yeah, I moved to Wigan for a year. Uh, <laughs> 
was a beautiful time. But I remember the first time, because I had a friend in Liverpool, so it was fine. It wasn't like panic. I'm going somewhere I don't know. So I had this friend in Liverpool and stayed with her the first night in my first night in the UK. And she, her, all her friends were really, really scouse. And I just couldn't understand who I don't know. It's like, oh, my God, my English must be so much worse than I thought. I thought I'm <laughs> so good at English and I just can't understand. I'm like, I've got this audition for a drama school and I can't understand English. And then she's like, no, 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 they're just really scouse. I'm like, but what does that mean? <laughs> and now looking back, obviously, I know what that means. But at the time, I was like, I can't speak English. So, yeah, went to Alra North. And then I did three years at Rose Bruford, which was beautiful. And yeah, ever since then, got my agent in third year. And yeah, I've just been acting ever since. So as an actor, rejections must be quite frequent. Obviously, this had a happy ending. But I'm sure you, you know, you get a lot of no's before you get a yes. How do you go about dealing with the rejection? And what advice would you give to people that are sort of going through the same process as you, going down the same path? Someone said to me really early on in my career... As an actor, you're always at the mercy of other people's decisions. So try and take charge and do your own stuff where you are the person who's making it happen and just spin as many plates as you can. So I'm spinning the music plate, I'm spinning the writing plate, I'm spinning the acting plate. And if two of them come crashing down, I still have one spinning. So it is a lot of, I think, just try and spread yourself as much as you can. Find those other interests, make the other thing because... Yeah, now I have an audition, but I also have my short film to finish. So rather than sitting at home fretting, waiting for the phone to ring, I go back and do something else that I also need to or want to finish. So, yeah, it's good to spin the plates. Mm, That's really good advice. Keep yourself busy. Mm. What techniques do you use to get into character? Oh, interesting. I... I mean, there's so many different things. There's like something really simple, like making a playlist for that character. What would they have listened to when they were 13, 16, through the ages? And also, yeah, I really like thinking of memories or writing memories. I I usually do like a diary for the character and I go, oh, what was their seventh birthday like? And how do I feel about this character? How do I feel about that character? Oh, I know that character was drunk last Christmas and I had to help them get home. So it's like just little bits, little nuggets for me because the audience will never get to know that or see that. But yeah, it's nice to come up with backstories. I like that. Very cool. What is the one thing that surprised you about the production of a big budget TV series? The thing is, there's so many people, which is really cool. There's like hundreds of people on set every day and they all have a specific job. Obviously, I don't know what most of them do. It's just nice watching people do stuff. But the thing that surprised me most is that because when you do like, you know, a music video, where it's just you and three other people. You do have to sort of work around other conditions around conditions a lot you have to like make last minute decisions and on a big production I thought everything would be so planned out and it is everything is so like scheduled and 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 everything but there are still last minute changes that have to be made because of the weather because of other conditions so I just thought it really surprised me that there's so much that has to be sort of changed on the day. And, and I really liked that because it gave me confidence in my own work and that it's not rubbish when you have to come up with something on the spot. It, it can be really good um, because there was one situation they had like this 
huge, there's a scene on like the edge of a cliff and it's really windy. The, the actual place was called Wind Gather Rock. And I'm like, okay, what did we expect? But, <laughs> I wonder what that means. Yeah, I no, wonder where that name came from. What does it mean? But what does it mean? Um, and we walked up to that cliff edge and, and it was really windy. It was like this sort of, you know, comical. You're standing up and you're leaning against the wind. And at the start of the day, everyone was like, ha, oh, it's so windy and it's really fun. But, you know, cut to two hours later, everyone's got red cheeks. Everyone's like, this is actually the most tiring thing in the world. And they had this huge, huge crane arm thing with a camera on the end because they wanted it to come out over the cliff to film back onto it. But it was so windy that they couldn't use this thing, which was probably really expensive so we're just waiting there on this wind gather rock sort of all day for the wind to die down which it doesn't because it's wind gather rock and then and then yeah they just went okay we'll try and do it a different way and and came up with a solution and and it just worked and it's brilliant and it now looks amazing so yeah I just learned that you can plan everything but it's still gonna the weather's still gonna Mm -hmm. affect you there's still little things that you can't plan I want to go to this rock. I want to see <laughs> if it lives up to its name all year round. Is yeah. it just... Do you is know it, what I mean? I know what you mean, but I'm judging by the name, I'd say it probably does. Gosh, what an experience. Yeah. What is your third and final clip? This is something that best represents you and your success at this moment. This would be from my BBC Studios short film called Ach, Katzlschwab which is part of In The Mix, a programme run by BBC Studio Talentworks, Black Creators Matter, in partnership with The Barbican. I was one of five black content creators who got to direct a short film. Ach, Katzlschwab. An oak cat's or squirrel's tail in Tyrolean German dialect. Tyrol is a mountainous region in the Austrian Alps. Here we see it on a larger map of Austria, a small German-speaking country 900 miles from the UK. Ochkatzelschwaf is what the Tyrolean dialect is known for. Many tourists try and often fail to pronounce this and other signature words, such as Kassspatzeln, Coca-Cola and Bananek, meaning banana. Now you try it. Thank you, Barbara. As a young adult, you moved to the big city. The big smoke. The big apple. Of the eye. Of Europe. London. Where suddenly it's black people who want to know things from you, like... Are you Yoruba? No, she's Igbo. Oh, God, she's Yoruba now. I can tell this is my sister. Hey, hey, hey! Oh, no, shut up! You don't know we are chatbot. The girl I'm Jamaican in art. Because she's pretty like money. Come on! Jamaican! Well, actually, Jamaican patois. A language okay. with thank West you, African influences. I recently okay, spent you. ten yes, glorious days holidaying on the beaches of Jamaica. So I consider myself back a little bit of an expert. <laughs> what the lady in Patois was saying that she... Oh. How did this opportunity come about? Tell us a little bit more about In The Mix and your involvement. So I'm always looking out for writing opportunities as I'm trying to get more of a foot in the screenwriting scene. Online you can find them and sometimes other writers will send them to each other. So there's always like a stream of opportunities coming in. And yes, I just saw that one and saw that it was about language and me being bilingual. I really like talking about that because I really like writing and and telling stories that come from the heart, from my heart and from my experience 
So yeah, I saw that it was meant to be about a word that doesn't exist in the English language. And there is this word from Austria, where I'm from, the region that nobody can pronounce. That nobody can pronounce. Not from Austria. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and even Austrians from a different area struggle. To be fair, the area where I'm from is called Tyrol, and the word is Achkatzlschwaf, which is really hard to say. And it sorry, is, can you just say that one more time? You, and you will say it back to me. Okay, ready? Absolutely not. Yes, give it a try. <laughs> Yeah, I'm just going to pass on that one. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I'll write it down for you. We'll practice. Thank you. Um, It's basically, it doesn't mean anything else but the tail of a squirrel. It's a word for the tail of a squirrel. Why anyone ever needed that word, (laughs) I have no idea. I literally can tell you, but it has become the signature word of that dialect. It's like, because we say and all that stuff. Sorry, that sounds really gross. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to repeat that. But it has like all those sounds that are in the Tyrolean dialect. And so when you are there and somebody says oh teach me something to say in Tyrolean you say okay here we go or when you it's mostly actually when you leave Tyrol and you go to Vienna or somewhere in Germany they're like oh it's like it's a bit like that and so I just thought okay this is a brilliant opportunity for me to talk about that word which is a really nostalgic feeling of Tyrol and, and home and Austria but at the same time for me those feelings are always mixed with an undertone of growing up as a person of colour that was always met with suspicion and doubt. So yes, I think of that word as a fun thing from my home, but at the same time, I was often made to feel like I wasn't allowed to to use it. So I thought, you know, it's a really brilliant idea to talk about identity and what that word means to me, and I'm sure other people as well. And and. And even if you can't pronounce the word or don't know what it means, I'm sure everyone has those things that remind you of home with a bit of mixed feelings. Oh, oh, mixed feelings. Here we are again. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I was really grateful for that opportunity. And then obviously applied with the idea of me thinking the BBC are never going to even consider this because what even is this word that nobody can say? But then they came back saying, oh, we'd love to do a shortlist interview with you. So me being me made a really nerdy PowerPoint presentation for them. Love it. it. We did it on Zoom and I was a bit embarrassed about being such a nerd. But they seemed to really like it and said, yeah, great idea. What's the narrative of your short film? So because it had to be for BBC Real, which is mainly documentaries, and I know they're stretching the platform a little bit because mine is not really a documentary, but I just thought, how can I make my idea and my weird comedy writing style into also something that is informative and so I just sort of took that narrative of of someone growing up in Austria and being met with questions to then moving to the UK and still being met with questions and I sort of just thought why don't I interview lots of people of colour from Tyrol that I know and they can sort of give their experience, which turns out to be a lot of the similar experience that, that we all share, to make it a little bit more like a documentary and give it that realness to it, like the connection to real life rather than just a silly comedy because I do like making people laugh. So yeah, it's about the word, it's about identity and yeah, it just tells you a little bit about Austria and a little bit about the people of colour experience in Austria and then leaving Austria to go somewhere else. 
Since being back, is there a lot more diversity there now compared to when you were growing up or is it still pretty much the same? I reckon it's always been that way. Only growing up in the early 2000s, there was no Instagram, there was no real connection like there is today. So yes, I think nowadays, if I was growing up there now, I could probably see people online that look like me and speak like me because at the time I did sometimes you know see Rihanna in a magazine or whatever but that was so far away from mm-hmm. me that was not something I could identify with really like I mean it took a while for me to even see someone who looks like me represented in a magazine or something but yes when I saw say Rihanna I just thought oh that's cool she looks like a little bit like me but she doesn't speak like me she's not from where I'm from and it's so it's not the same thing and I think nowadays I hope that young children can see and hear themselves online if not anywhere else. Is there anything you bought from your acting experience into this project? Yeah definitely I obviously act in it because I need all the attention all of the time. <laughs> As many actors. Wait, did you say you went to theatre school? Oh yes, oh darling. <laughs> yes, I did. Um and I think just what comes with having spent years working as an actor, you just sort of learn how to make characters pretty quickly. So I think that part of my storytelling is always okay, that the characters I can always deal with. So I know you worked with children on this project. What did you learn from doing that? Oh, God, what didn't I learn? <laughs> you had the children, you had the animals, oh like you God. just broke all the rules. I know, I'm literally, I don't know what I'm doing. No, I don't know what I'm doing. I have learned that children, even though I did allow for much more time, you almost need double the time of what you might need with an adult, if not more, mm-hmm. because children are just gonna have a shorter attention span and they will just tell you if the if the shoes are uncomfortable they're gonna be like I'm I don't want to wear the shoes I'm like okay cool we'll we'll deal with it because with an adult and also I've cast my mum in this and other family members so I could just be telling them shut up and carry on with what I told you to do (laughs) but with the child obviously you can't be like that you have to allow them to play and and run around a bit and then like okay come let's come back let's do this let's try and do this again but but you do just have to adapt your the way you would speak to people not that I'm a horrible person I'd hope I don't want to come across as the director who tells people to shut up obviously I'm not like that with my family but yeah you do just have to allow for more time that's the main thing I've learned we ask every guest to look into the crystal ball of their future are you imagining it are you envisioning it I can see it it's magical it's sparkly it's whatever you want it to be yeah what do you see tell us okay I see myself at the premiere screening of my series that I wrote which will also take me finally to LA so I can fulfill my childhood dream of being an actor in LA and yeah I'm wearing a gorgeous gorgeous outfit and I've managed to achieve lots of things that are in my little goal book 
I'm guessing your gold book has a lot of spinning plates in there oh, as well. Oh, it really does, yeah. Actually, the gold book is, itself is spinning. <laughs> it's spinning. It's one of the plates that is spinning. Thank you so much Thank for coming. Thank you so much for having me. You've been an amazing guest. And uh, yeah, I can't wait to be invited to your red carpet premieres in the future <laughs> for all of the series that you've written and you've produced and you've obviously starred in. <laughs> and yeah, thank you so much, Linda. Thank you. See you in LA. If you're interested in knowing more about Nenda, you can find her on her Instagram at nenda.nintendo. That's N-E-N-D-A dot N-I-N-T-E-N-D-O. You can also find us at BBC Studios Tanworks. This has been a Curly Media production on behalf of BBC Studios. See you next time. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.